Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Ruler podcast. The route of the 2018 Tour of Britain was published a few days ago. Eight stages, nearly 1,200 kilometres, and for the first time in the race, a team time trial stage, and one which ends at the top of the fearsome Winletter Pass in the Lake District. On the start line in September, for the eighth time, will be Katusha Alperson's Alex Dowsett. We'll be hearing from him in just a second. And straight after that, Rouleur's Stuart Clapp will be giving his views on Oakley's newest and rather controversial glasses. Alex Dowsett, welcome to the Rouleur podcast. We'll talk about the Tour of Britain a bit later on, but first of all, have you recovered from the Giro? Uh, I have. I have. I'm all right. Um, I said to myself straight after the Giro I'd ride. I'd ride if I felt like it, and I wouldn't ride if I didn't feel like it, and I didn't ride for five days. Or was it six? The five, uh, five days, yeah. I was going to ride on the Friday morning, but then both my SRAM batteries were dead, so I didn't ride. And then went to Geneva on Saturday for a, a sponsor's ride with Katusha Sports, so that was my first. It was a real picturesque, actually. I think I put something up on Instagram, um, so it was a nice, nice way to get back in. I did my first efforts yesterday. I went in with a real horrible session called over-unders where you're going like 20 or 30 watts above threshold, 20 or 30 watts below for 16 minutes. Sorry, a minute and a half above, two and a half minutes below for 16 minutes um, without any recovery. Um, and it was, like, numbers were real good, actually. I felt, like, fully in control um, for the whole thing. So that was, you know, just shows I've come out the zero well. From the outside, it seemed like the most extraordinary race. You know, from a spectator's point of view, it, it seemed like the most extraordinary sort of race. Did it feel like that inside, or was it just business as usual? It's just business as usual. Yeah, like it wasn't till later on in the race, people are like, "This is an epic zero," and we're like, "Is it?" Because I mean, it's just hard. Like, obviously, we're all suffering. It's hurting for everyone. Um, obviously, we'd know. Like when you come back and you hear that Simon Yates has gone on the attack in the pink jersey, you're like, wow, that's like that's cool. That shows some real, like, just balls basically. Um, and then like later on, when obviously I, I'm in a in a sort of further back group, and Simon Yates then joins our group in the pink jersey, you're like, it's been an explosion at the front. And then the next day, Pino, like this, yeah, and Aru, everyone, um, a lot of big hitters, really suffering um and suffering spectacularly but yeah i mean 
from a day to day, from our, from my perspective, from the guys on the mountain days who are just like finish, trying to scope out a breakaway early on, but ultimately just riding to the finish um, and looking after ourselves for the next opportunity that we have. It was yeah, business as usual. You just you're just trying to get through it. Um, and we were quite cool in Katusha because the our bus driver Casty records the last kind of. Th- 30 to 50k of the race um, and then presses play when we all get in the bus so we actually get to watch the end of the race rather than because uh, I, I think if you're it's interesting if you're in a race in my position where you are you know, you're focusing on two stages being the time trials and like on some days you're trying for a breakaway or you're helping a guy in the sprint you're not like, and on the mountain days you're the mountain days being the ones where the race is really sort of won and lost on a GC perspective all we do is read about it on Twitter in the evening. We don't actually see it. We don't... I'd say when you're in a race like that, you actually see less of the race than what you would have done if you're just following it from a spectator's point of view. So it was quite cool to watch what was happening at the front after the stages. Talking of Twitter and social media, throughout the race, you were doing sort of daily summaries and updates. Uh, Was that just a spontaneous thing that you just started doing and people liked it? It was spontaneous. It was um, firstly we got some great photos from, like some really cool photos from the race through um, I think Tim DeWaler, who works with the like, we have access to his his photos, so we could use them. And then you know, for great photos, you want some great content as well. But I, I can't actually remember when the first one came about. But I just I think I started writing about the stage, and then I wrote and wrote and wrote, and I was like thinking, yeah, that's it's cool. I think. But I just enjoyed writing about it. I think getting it out of my head into onto a, a, even an electronic, but a bit of paper. Um, and then after that, it, it was so well received, and clearly people were enjoying it so much that I thought, okay, well, let's continue this. And it's not like it's not. I wasn't doing it for the the likes or the the follows or anything like that. I was doing it because I enjoyed that people enjoyed it. And it wasn't any hardship for me to to actually do it. I I'd quite, I got some satisfaction out of of writing about it myself. So it was, yeah, I kind of a win win situation really. It's sort of surprising because it was a unusual. Uh, yeah, every pro rider virtually is on social media, but mm. actually, actually taking the time to sort of talk through the day and talk through what your plan was for the next day and what you were looking forward to or not looking forward to the next day yeah. was a really refreshing, from a spectator's point of view, it was a really refreshing uh, perspective. And I think it's actually, it ended up, like, looking back at it, a much deeper insight into how we were feeling as well, because for a couple of reasons, if you conduct an interview outside the bus... When you get outside the bus, you have to. You, you sort of go into media mode, like you, you go into you know you know what you should say, what you shouldn't say, and of course, like I respect that, you know, like sponsors things, you know, I respect all that in my in my posts. But when there's a a camera and a microphone shoved in front of your face, you have to think of a response on the spot. You don't have much of an opportunity to really take time over what you're going to say, and when you say it, you can't go back and edit it. Um, and you have, and with, unfortunately nowadays as well, with uh, the press, you have you have to be super careful. You can say one sentence, which can turn into a headline, and, and I, it's something I've found out the hard way a few years ago. You say one thing, it can turn into a headline, 
and suddenly it's, it'll be your worst your worst day ever. Um, I felt like I sort of could take and it went, but I'd write these posts inside the bus or inside my room. And I, I think if you if you are inside the bus, it's like your safe haven. You're from the outside world. You know, we can we can speak freely. We can we can talk freely about the race. So maybe that helped me open up about um, exactly how I was feeling about the racing at the time. And it was, yeah, I could really take some time to think about it and think about how exactly I was feeling and what, what I wanted to convey in that, in that post. Without wishing to put you on the spot, stage 19 did did seem to divide opinion amongst fans and some people inside the peloton as well in a way that, you know, we haven't seen for a long while. What, Mm. What was your take on, on what happened that day? Well, initially, when I just heard, I was like, wow, which is probably what everyone thought. <laughs> what the thoughts behind that wow vary quite greatly, I'd imagine, um, you know, in light of everything that's going on. However, I think wisely I sort of awaited to form an opinion. And that day, I... And that was a hard day from start to finish. From the moment the flag dropped, it was on. And I fought really hard to make sure that I was in the peloton at the bottom of the Col de Finestre. And there was a sizable groupetto that was dropped within the first sort of 10 kilometres. No. Yeah, because it was 30k of unpleasant, then 10k of climbing. And I wanted to get over that 10k with the peloton and I just about managed it, but at the cost of not eating enough and being on the back foot when we started Finestra so I then really suffered for the rest of it and suffered because I hadn't eaten enough I hadn't got my nutrition right and when I heard that actually Team Sky were had made sure that Froome was fed the whole way through and how they'd systematically approached making sure there was people stationed all the way not maybe to hand up food but also to make sure that Froome was eating throughout so that makes a lot of sense and they're the only team that did that and then yeah, then you hear afterwards actually he was gaining more ground on the downhills than what he was on the the uphills. That then adds to it. And I, I used to be on a team with him, and he was nuts on the descent. I wouldn't say like good, but he was. Like, he definitely could go around corners quicker than than most. And then you know it all starts coming together, and you can see actually there's a reason he won that race in the way he did, and that was all pre-planned a long way out and. Some people are going to have an adverse opinion. I don't have an opinion on it, really, because I don't really know enough about it. Was there a lot of talk in the peloton? I mean, was there a lot of talk the next day or amongst the riders? Um, Not really. I think everyone's just waiting for it to be dealt with, whichever way it goes. I mean, that's basically... We shouldn't even know about it. The whistleblower inside the UCI, that's that's where the crime is. I think none of us know enough scientifically to form a, or medically scientifically to form a calculated opinion on like, whether it's whether he's cheating or not. Um, you know, we all hope he's not, obviously. But it's, uh, cycling loses. Like, the only the biggest loser here is cycling because of how the whole thing's just panned out in the press and um, the fact that it's not been handled. Um, so. But as yeah, if we take that one race, that was that was spectacular. Not just from Froome, but from the whole team. And I don't mean the riders; I mean management, staff, everyone, because that was the epitome of a full team effort. I think it was the first time this year that I 
been to the Giro um, and, and kind of seen it in person. The thing that struck me was that I'd never realised quite how Italian the whole thing is. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a yeah. unique atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, I started calling it the surprise Giro because it's like, what are they going to throw at us today that we didn't know about? Even right up to Rome and the cobbles in Rome. I think somewhere, it was in one of the race books, there was only going to be 300 metres of cobbles per lap. It's like 7K. <laughs> it turned into a bit of an epic in terms of like what was what was today going to have in store that was going to be epic? Um, whether it be Imola with the crosswinds, um, some like starts that were harder than others, the, the 240k the day after the um, day after the rest day on paper looked like lumpy, but nothing too severe, and ended up being the probably the hardest day for everyone of the whole tour. Um, so yeah, it's just I think the Giro ended up being a series of. 21 single day races so you've recovered mm. just about from the Giro um, what's the rest of the season looking like um, so in the near future I'm off to Germany this weekend for Rund um Koln which is a one day then Tour of Slovenia which will be a nice reintrodu- reintroduction to racing it's got a good 25k TT in it um, right at the end and then national champs which is a big goal, getting my jersey, time trial jersey back. Won't be easy, I don't think. You know, there's, as ever, it's what we don't know which World Tour riders are going to turn up. Obviously, if Froome and Geraint turn up, then it's going to, and Steve, then could have a real fight on their hands. But then also, you don't know um, from the domestic side, I think that's how I said on my Instagram, Harry Tamfield's name keeps popping up. Um, so I do, you know, do the best I can there. Um, road race as well. I think I'll, yeah, I'm going to be in good shape for both of them because I've come out of the Giro so well. So yeah, we'll see. And then Tour de France is undecided. Um, I've asked for my name to go in the mix for that. Um, if you do the tour, will you be updating on social media? Yeah, about I'll, the same I'll do. I'll do the same thing again. Um, it has to not be forced as well. I'm not going like, to. If there's nothing to talk about, I won't talk. If there's something that I've I feel I want to talk about then I'll talk I'm not going to because like coming home has been quite difficult it's been I want to keep that sort of thing up but listen you know I've got my, I can talk about my cats like, there's not a huge amount to talk about in getting home and um, not a lot of time either and quite enjoying being home but it's you know I'm very conscious I have a cyclist based following so it's it's yeah so yeah to answer your question I will I will do the same in the tour, I will do the same at nationals. Um, so we'll, uh, that'll be good. And then back end of the season, probably things like Bing Bank Tour, Tour of Britain, and then I think the Katusha Alpes in prospects for the World Team Time Trial Championships are pretty frighteningly good. Um, you know, with the horsepower we have, both TTs and the Giro, we put four riders in the top 15. Like the depth we have on the time trial is pretty, pretty spectacular. If you can combine that into a team time trial plus Tony Martin um, who's basically like having two guys then it's uh, that could be exciting and the Tour of Britain the uh, route is out have you had the chance to have a look at it no not in depth I did speak with Mick Bennett um, he was out in Jerusalem actually um, so I spoke with him there and he said that um, it was hard and there was a team time trial that finished up a hill um, 
and that's yeah, it sounds about right given I think it's been a long time coming having a team time trial because so Tour of Britain has kind of found itself a nice um, nice place in the calendar where it is a um, a great final race before World Championships, and so it makes sense with Austria being so hard this year to make the Tour of Britain hard with. I think there being a time trial, team time trial, obviously team time trial at Worlds, having a team time time team time trial in the Tour of Britain makes a lot of sense as well. So yeah, it's I think it's going to be great. I think team time trial for the British public will be a pretty great spectacular show to watch as well. And you, do you look forward to the Tour of Britain? Do you look forward to racing in front of home crowds? I do. It's never a race that I think is going to be hard because it's always so enjoyable. Um, and the crowds are massive. Obviously, home home support is 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 really nice. Um, yeah, Clacton last year was unreal. Like ten mile time trial and like very close to home. Um, so yeah, it is always one to look forward to. Yeah, and I've got some great memories from the Tour of Britain as well. Some of my really biggest rides have been there. And is it well regarded by the continental riders or the international riders on in, in the pro world? It is. You see, you can see that by the caliber of riders that keep coming back. Like De Molan, Tony Martin, Rowan Dennis, like guys that come back and choose to do this race ahead of world champs is testament to it. And you know, Tour of Britain is not pleasant for transfers. Like, there's some long transfers between stages and that's not the fault of the organisers or anything. That's because Britain is a little bit too big to run an eight-day race in, but like, we manage it anyway. Um, so, and obviously with the traffic in the UK as well, it's not, um, it's not ideal, but the fact that the riders keep coming back is testament to, testament to the race. And it's uh, having grown as much as it has over the years has been great. Time to catch up now with uh, Ruler Desire editor, Stuart Clapp. Now, uh, Stuart, you wrote an article on the website about the new Oakley flight jacket a while ago, and that caused some interest. Uh, some people seem to suggest that the Oakley flight jackets were ugly. Well, yes. Um, that, that's a, that, that, it, it was a fairly div- div- divisive um, article and a fairly divisive uh, uh, um, uh, thing going on there with, with those glasses because... I don't know. They they are pretty hideous. Yeah, I, I have to say they are pretty good. But I kind of when I wrote the article, I was very positive about them. But I but I wouldn't wear them. I can't I can't wear it. I can't wear sunglasses like that. People can even pull them off, or they can't. And and I'm definitely in the camp where I can't pull them off. If people haven't seen them, they look like they're upside down. Yeah, they look a little bit Dennis Taylor. They're like they're like Dennis Taylor's snooker glasses in cycling form. It's, it's an acquired taste that's, that's going to pull those off. What Oakley have done with the flight jacket is they've taken the frame off the top. So when you're sort of bent over the bars, like whew, looking down, you can you can see further down the road. But then people are going, yeah, but if you do that and you're looking around behind you, you've got the frame in the way. And it's like, yeah, well, that's that's kind of it. You'd need something without a frame then. And in that case, you end up with I don't know. Pock did that 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 um, the 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 do blade or whatever it was, the one that doesn't have a frame on the bottom half, and you can look through there. 
And I think oh, Oak, Oak Cleave have done many designs like that. Yeah, like the razor blades and that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the, like the classic, classic, right? Yeah. The, but um, with these ones, they're, they're, the, the real selling point is the fact that, you know, when you get the sunglasses and they mist up, I don't find, I've ne- I don't, I can't remember. I've, I, maybe I don't get that hot. I'm probably not training hard enough. But I, I've never had that thing where the lenses fog up. The only time that ever happens to me is when I used to commute across London in the mornings and it would be like I'd get hot riding and then I'd stop at some lights and then it was when I stopped it steam up. So just don't stop and your glasses won't steam up. But they've, they've, um, they've changed this design where you sort of flip it and it lets air in behind the glasses so then it, it sort of demists them. It's got a built-in demister. So that's the thinking behind the design, then. That's yeah, that's the thinking behind it. If I wore it, I look stupid. But like John Mould, the JLT rider, he was wearing a pair at the the Tour series with the clear lenses in, and I thought, oh, they look cool on him. But maybe it's just you've you've got to be cooler than I am to wear them, you know, or a pro rider. Or just someone that that doesn't doesn't care and just going with it. I think it's all all about the attitude. Speaking about that, you know, like like wearing those those types of glasses because they're coming into fashion, like mainstream fa- fashion again. Well, ugly ones. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like in the eighties, people used to rock around on like Muscle Beach with like M frames on and and had mullets and tribal tattoos and vests and and fluoro and those weird like muscle trousers that men wore very odd anyway they like i've I've got a picture of of the guy in my head probably drank miller light or something anyway him um they uh they they've become quite fashionable again those glasses stella mccartney did a show her recent show and one of like two of the like two of the models walking down you can see a picture of google it they're walking along and they've got a pair of Rudy Project sunglasses on, like fluoro yellow Rudy Project glasses. I follow a couple of models on Instagram. They've been pictured um, wearing these, you know, cycling sunglasses, Oakley radars, radar path. I think one of the guys, yeah, guys, I follow, I follow male models on Instagram. I'm comfortable with that. And um, yeah, he's been he's been wearing those around. And uh, of course, Princess Anne. Wore Zara Phillips Team GB Adidas eyewear to the royal wedding, Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. Have a look at that. She wore Adidas eyewear, like performance eyewear, along with her wedding outfit. I think I've got a pair of orange Rudy projects somewhere down in the basement. Um, I yeah. should get those out and, and wear them you, in public. Yes, you'll be incredibly on vogue or committed, or people may think it's a cry for help. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's they, they are they are fashionable. Um, I had a I also had a pair of blue factory pilots, you know, with yeah. the original ones right back in the eighties when Le Monde wore them. Yeah, um, it's a shame they don't make those anymore, isn't it? No, well, yeah, that they they're cool. They they've but Oakley have been doing all those all over again. Um, there are some that I'm not sure they're worthy of a return. Well, yes, the most famous ones probably were those sort of over-the-head jobs that David Miller, amongst others, wore um, sometime, what, about 10 years ago now, was it? Well, I don't know. It might have been further back than that. 
But aren't they called the over-the-tops or something? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they meant that's because it goes over the top of your head or just these are over-the-top. But if you look on eBay, uh, those over-the-top Oakleys are selling for five, $600. Yeah. That, well, they Oakley have, like, collectors, like, like, the, like the people that collect swatches and things like that. They have people with, like, the whole back catalogue of Oakley. You can't wear those. Although there was a big, like, on these sort of, like uh, cyberpunk scene and things like that. They've that they they were bought by a lot a lot of those. Maybe I spend a lot of time on the internet, but there's this, you know, like I they they have these cyber goth things where they wear like a Marilyn Manson t-shirt and like those platform shoes with springs in, and they're like rave dancing, like in broad daylight. I, 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 it takes all sorts. It takes all sorts. They might they might question our leg shaving, but um. They're big. Those those are quite a thing on that scene. Even David Miller, who is you know genuinely pretty stylish, yeah, uh, he is. Yeah, couldn't quite pull those off, could he? No, no. And I'll let you into a little bit of a secret. It used to be his, his uh, profile picture on his WhatsApp account was a picture of him wearing them recently. So I know for a fact that David Miller still has his over the top glasses maybe we should get him to <laughs> to wear them for us but no uh, what or either that or, or he's going to make 600 quid if he ebays them Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.